Coming to you live from Parkview Studios, The Garage. This is The Brothers Catch-Up, a weekly podcast where two brothers come together to just catch up. I am Sal Biazzi, and with me, as always, is my brother. Frankie Biazzi. And boy, do we have a show for you tonight. Woo! Um, honestly, last week, about this time, we were together, and... I was miserable, and you were in a great mood, and now a week later, I'm feeling pretty good. I'm feeling pretty good, too. See? Amazing how a week changes things. Yeah, right? And then nothing's happened in that last week. Like, barely anything's changed. Percept, per, per, uh, what's the word? I don't know. Perception? Yes, perception. Maybe just perceiving things a little bit differently. Time. You know that saying, time heals all wounds. Am I wounded? You were wounded. But now you're not. So we have... I wanted, You wanted to talk about something a little different. Yeah. Um, I lent you a book. Yeah, a couple weeks ago, I was leaving here. And I said, you'll just put up your bookshelves. I have nice bookshelves. And credit where credit is due. A lot of people have bookshelves. Most people don't. We got them. Finally. We got the mosquito. Let's see if it was really just one. Ugh. No, there's one right there. <laughs> Damn it. Good podcasting here. We're manually killing mosquitoes. Okay, anyway. Um, you just put up your bookshelves, and a lot of people have bookshelves, but like they don't read the books on the bookshelves. You've read most of the books, if not all the books. Most of the ones that are mine that are on the bookshelf, some are Rachel's and I've read them. I've read most of mine, not all of them. I was like, and I'm not a big reader. I buy books, but I don't read the books. And so I was like, I was like, you know what? I want a book. Give me a book that you think I'll read. And I want it a fiction book. Because I buy a lot of, like, political books and non-fiction books and history books and, like... You get bored. I get bored and I don't really read them. And then they're... Death. I'm gonna be honest. I'm gonna out myself here. Don't use complex words when you write. <laughs> it's good for nobody. Like, I don't know who wants to read your garbage. Like, you could just use the word like. It doesn't have to be some other... Uh, like, there people are just getting out their thesaurus... And using complex words just for the sake of it. I don't like that. Um, I don't like that. Those smart language. So, we were like going through your bookshelf and you are trying to find me a book they think I would like. And we settled on a Stephen King book, who you're a big fan of Stephen King. And it was... he. I should say, you're a big fan of Stephen King's writings. His books, yeah. Yeah, not a big fan of Stephen King as a person. No. Um, so you lent me Hearts in Atlantis. Yes. It is a... It's a big book. Have you figured out why it's called Hearts in Atlantis yet? How far... I, I want to know how far... In no, the... I'm still on the first book. Okay. So it's a it's a collection of five short stories, apparently. The first short story is, like, half of the book. Like, yes. it's like a... F- I don't know how many pages the book is, but it's a pretty thick book. And half of it is one story. Mm-hmm. I think I'm almost done with... That story. With that story. Um, and things are getting wild. Okay, so... story, so I want to talk about it. Let's... I, it's been a while since I've read Hearts and Lens. I think I've read it three times. I love that book. It's really but good. But I don't have the strongest recollection, so you can fill me in on what you've experienced so yes. far in the book. Um, Alright, so I just, just before I came here, I was reading, and I finished a chapter. Um, it was pretty emotional, because... Uh, that first story is really beautiful. Bobby... They had just gotten back from. Ted took them to the uh, the billiards place to make the bet on the boxing match. Okay. So Bobby and him, on the way back to the house, pass the low men. They gotta close their eyes and they gotta get through it. And it was like this, like kind of like dramatic thing. You're like, holy shit, are they gonna get caught right now? So let's stop you because no one listening who has read Hearts in Atlantis knows Correct. what any of these things are. So what is I the don't story? Know, but I don't even know what these <laughs> things are either. So like, we're in the same boat. So how? How does the story like? Let's okay. All right, I'll get okay. Okay. What are we watching? What is this? What is this book? Bobby is a boy. Is a boy. He's got no dad. His dad's dead. His he lives with his mom in this apartment building. His mom's kind of kind of a bitch, but like she's nice and 
She like, wants what's best for Bobby, she thinks. But she's real strict, kind of hard-ass. Um, and not really present. Not present. She's working a lot. But that's because she was always blaming the dead father, which I don't like. I don't like that she's always blaming the dead father towards Bobby. And I think that's a point. Obviously, it's a, there's a point to that. Um, and so then uh, there's this old man who moves in into their apartment on the third floor. And Bobby's mom doesn't like him. But him and Bobby start to have this, like, really beautiful friendship between, like, a young kid and an old man. And at first, when you read the story, you get a I little, think your it's... Your vibes are... And I think it's purposely written that way to yes. kind of creep you out. And you're like, is Bobby getting groomed? Yes. Like, Bo- it feels like Bobby's getting groomed here. to... And then, as you read it, you're like, no, no, no. Like, this, this is a very different relationship. This guy, Ted... Uh, he's got... I, I can't figure this out. Like... They're not superpowers. It's just he's got like this this ability. ability to like read minds and stuff, but like not all that well, but just like a little bit. He's got to touch you. Okay, so this is a common theme in a lot of Stephen King books. This comes up with certain characters, and what I think is oops, what I think is kind of going on is it's more like the ability to sense aura, and it comes from there's different. Different characters will be able to do this for different reasons. So, like, maybe Ted could read auras because he's from outer space versus someone else who could read auras because of a different reason. Not to say that Ted's from it. It's just an example. But like, well, if you read another book called Insomnia, which is also one of my favorite scenes, he looks really good, there's a lot more... It goes a lot more into the aura aspect and, like, the idea in Stephen King books that we're playing with different dimensions. So... Because, I mean, all Stephen King, I guess, operates on the same universe... Yeah, theoretically, all these stories are taking place in the same so, place. Um, and so Ted is, we kind of find out that he's kind of like on the run. And we don't know what he's on the run from, and he gives Bobby like this mission, this job of like, you have to look out for the low men in yellow coats. Like that's And that's what we assume... That Ted is on the run from. Now, and now you're supposed to look this book, by the way, is taking place in the 60s. Yes. So, like, it's like low, era. low men are, like, I'm thinking, like, greasers from the outsiders. Like, yeah. that's what I'm picturing, right? Like, they're not the brightest guys. They're kind of, like, low kind of, like, dumb. They're, they dress super loud, have, like, ridiculous cars. And they leave all these, like, signs everywhere. Like, yeah. symbols and Graffiti, stuff. Yeah. Essentially. And so Bobby is is looking out for them. And that's kind of like the gist of the book. And I shit you not, like I'm almost 200 pages in at this point. Nothing has really happened. Like it, there's not like that much that has happened. It's just like a lot of relationship building Talking. and character building. And it's good, but it's really good. So at this point, um, Bobby's mom is, on a way, is away on like a business trip. And Bobby's got like these real bad vibes about it. And Bobby, I will say, is very is such a perceptive little kid, and well, it's implied that he's got the same ability. Yeah, but no, because then they say like they explain it by because Ted touched him, and when he touches you, he gives you a part of that ability. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, so they get he get he gets back from like the little billiards thing. He places a bet on a boxing match. And they, they just, like, narrowly escape, like, an encounter with the low men. And so that kind of means Ted's got to go away. And Bobby knows that. He's only 11, but he, like, he knows that that's what that means. He's like, damn, like, I'm going to lose. Like, so Ted supposedly is hiding from these people. Yes. And they're looking for him specifically. Yes. And so... And we don't really know why. Bobby was trying to, like, hide it from him that he's been encountering, like, all the signs of them. Because he doesn't want his friend to go away. And so, but now he's got to go away. And it's kind of like they're, like, second to last night together, if not their last night together. And Bobby leaves the house because Ted's like, why don't you go out and, like, just go hang out, the, go to the park or something. Get out of the house. We were friends. Has there been the fight yet? With... Bobby gets beat up? So, uh, no, because... Or no, maybe he doesn't get beat up, or... Well, so... The, the girl gets beat up? So, okay, I think this is the exact part of Matt. Okay. He goes out to the park, 
And he starts just bawling his eyes out to Carol. Carol's like his little girlfriend. And he starts explaining to her everything that's going on. And she's so nice. She's sweet. And nothing is... Whatever. And then on the way back, the high school kids come. Yeah, and they pick on them. And they pick on them. And it's fucked up. Yeah, it's messy. He's got like a bat or something. Yeah. And then... His mom, like the, the girlfriend's mom's friend, comes and like saves them. Um, so then they go back home. But the the thing that's really freaking me out now at this point is like, Bobby gets back, and he knows Ted is leaving. Like this is his last night with Ted because his mom's away and Ted is watching him. And he goes to bed that night, and he's like, has this dream. Oh, actually, before this, we have this, like, they're talking about a book. And Ted's talking about fate and how, like, in tragedy. Because, like, the book he's reading is a tragedy. And how, like, tragedy is when you're going to have an unhappy outcome as the only way. And I think Stephen King does this on purpose because I think he's telling you, like, this nice story that you're reading. Like, I don't think this book is going to end well. Like, I don't think it's going to end the way I want it to end. I don't know how I want it to end. I just don't think it's going to end that way. Like, happily ever after. No. Doesn't seem that way. And we're already getting a glimpse into that because Stephen King, again, does this weird thing where, like, in the middle of the book, he just all of a sudden starts talking as if we're 18 years in the future and he starts talking about the main character and what he's turned into. And you're like, ah. Goes downhill for Bobby quick. And it's sad. But it makes sense based on what Bobby's experiences are. Yeah, you know, those kids had a very... He's been messed up. Yeah. So, then he goes to bed this this night, and he has this dream that his mom is being chased by the people that she's on the work trip with, plus the high school kids that almost beat him up, and they're gonna, like... And it's very, like... There's, like, a lot of Lord of the Flies influence here. And so, like, they're, like, kill the pig and cheese the pig, and they're gonna, like beater raper it's brutal yeah. like it's a it's very it's a graphic dream yeah man it's wild and like so i stopped there and i'm very curious as like where it goes from here like i don't know yeah i can't wait for you to finish this section and then go to the next section the second story in this book is is my favorite one but that first story is awesome now they all have this is a five story book mm-hmm. and they all kind of correlate yeah so characters from the first story appear in the sequential stories but so it's not just like grown up. the story it's of like, bobby yes it's like different scenes from these ch- group of children as they grow older and like what they go through interesting yeah i'm curious i'm curious as to like what's gonna happen now because i'm getting towards the end and it feels like but it's weird because like you, you still just don't know much. Like I don't know what the low men are. I don't know what Ted's ability is. I don't know why the low men are after him. It's very weird to read a story for this long and you really don't have any grasp of, of like the why. There's an interesting film adaptation of, of Hearts and Atlantis where Anthony Hopkins plays Ted. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's awful. But <laughs> it just kind of encapsulates why these translations to movies rarely work because what makes this book so powerful and good is because yes that story when you get to the end you're like that was an amazing short story and i really liked it and was you're gonna be moved i think um but that's not what the book is about it's not about this incident with bobby and you're gonna read the next five stories you'll get to the end of all five and then you'll it'll hit you a lot different i think it hits me a lot different and the movie is just it makes sense why they do it is just the story the story of the first the first story and that's yeah. probably everyone's favorite story of the five it's and, the longest makes, i guess and everyone thinks that's the book but that's not the book hearts and atlantis has nothing almost to do with that story it comes from later on in the book and you can't rip like the heart of it out yeah. you know what i mean so like this story is really just setting up what and it's weird because like there's so many things that like get dropped into the the story that 
and you want more information. Like, I want to know more about his dad. Like, and yeah. it's not like they don't. It's not just like they set up the story. Like, okay, this kid's got a dead dad, and we don't know anything about the dad. It's like he's got a dead dad, and we know a little bit about the dad. And it feels like we keep learning a little bit more. Yeah, we haven't really learned anything. We're trying to figure out who he was, but you're gonna see the point when you get all five of these stories in perspective and you read the book to, to in totality you'll you'll it's that wrestling with what all what they all are telling us together yeah rather than just bobby in that moment it's more like the investigation to get to the heart of what is bobby and his father and these relationships with these different characters and how they reflect that time and i think yeah, I think you're in for a treat, man. That book is awesome. So I recommend it to anyone. If anyone's ever read Hearts in Atlanta, see you know, reach out. If you want to read it, you should give it a shot. It's a good book. Yeah, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. And I know now, like, this will be a thing. Like, after I finish this book, I'm probably going to go down the Stephen King rabbit hole and try read to... some more Stephen King Yeah, books. definitely. Yeah, definitely you should. I, rec- I recommend it. I like a lot of, a lot of Stephen King. You know my book he, I just like the way books. he writes. Like, it's, it's simple, yet... Uh, really, really it's interesting. Captivating. Yeah, captivating. captivating. Another author that's similar to Stephen King and like in that style, I, I feel is Michael Crichton. He's the guy who wrote like Jurassic Park. He also has another book called Timeline, which is really interesting. It's kind of like about it's almost like Westworld in a way, but it's about like medieval times. Um, not really Westworld, I guess, because it's like more about instead of like an alternate reality, it's more about like time traveling. But, but like time traveling is like a theme park. It was all about like theme well, parks. Cool. <laughs> he just loves theme parks. <laughs> this guy loves theme park. He goes, "What if I write a book about a theme park? Dinosaur theme park. But it's dinosaurs. Alien theme park. Cowboy theme park. Disney theme park. Oh, that's it. Um. Also, so speaking on medieval times. Yeah. <laughs> I introduced you to a video game. And you have a natural ability for it. Yeah, this game's cool. You're gonna download it. Uh, how much is it? Forty. Poof. Not that bad though. It's not. Could be sixty. I don't play video games enough to justify spending eighty dollars on video games. I've already spent forty dollars on video games this month. Yeah, but. And I hate it. <laughs> Madden, Madden is sucks. so bad. How is it getting worse? I don't get why the only thing they revamp is the loot. Is the the like the fonts, the, the menu screens. Like, they look how cool, so flashy. It's like, but it work increases on the, game, the load dude. times, and the game gets worse. Work on the game. The game sucks. Franchise is tedious. Like trying to make it through all the menus and and figure out what you're supposed to be doing, and then get into the game, and the game is just bad. And then so like I'm gonna play free, face the franchise. That's worse. Like, it's, so, yeah. it's so sad. It's not great. So, I don't know if I can spend another $40 on video games that I don't really play, but I will say, very fun video game. You tore it up. Yeah, Chivalry 2. It's a, it's like a first-person medieval online multiplayer shooter, but it's not a shooter. It's like you got a sword and an axe, and you got a fight. Sword midi- fight. You sword fight. It's fucking awesome. It's really <laughs> cool. And I was good at it. Was you didn't play ass. with the bow. There is a bow. So you could do range. I don't know if I would want to be a bow. I'm good with the bow. I kind of like... But that's how you play like Skyrim. You play Skyrim with the bow oh, a lot. It's fun. It's fun stuff. I like getting my hands dirty. I like being in that combat. Whacking people. You were, you were smooth. Ducking in and out. Avoiding swings. Blocking. Yeah, no. I feel like a... I like games that have a natural feel to them. This game has a natural feel to it. That's why yeah. Dynasty Warriors is so good. Like, I think anyone can jump into Dynasty Warriors and, and just figure, figure it, out. it out. Yeah. I think that's why, like, Halo is so successful. For as, like, complex as a game of Halo is, it's just like, you just shoot. shoot. Just shoot. Same thing with Call of Duty. But. Yeah, so it was a big fan of Chivalry 2. But in the end, my team you went lost. went on a nine kill streak. But my team lost. It sucked. We couldn't infiltrate the church. But we did good. We got, we did, like, everything... It's so rewarding when you accomplish the goals or whatever. You can't just do deathmatch too. You did do him the deathmatch, right? No, I didn't. Oh, I did. It. But that's what Call of Duty has lost in its in its like new versions of like 
the 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 games aren't as fun. So like the objectives aren't there. Like I remember back when Modern Warfare Two was like the Call of Duty, and me and my friends would play online, and we would play whether it was Search and Destroy or Domination. Didn't matter. Like you wanted to play the objective and win the game. Yeah. Call of Duty is not about that anymore. So it's just like. And obviously they still have the objective games, and you can play the objectives. And that's sure. what makes this so fun. But, like, you don't have to worry about... Like, you just do the objective. And I like how, um... It's very strategic in how they, they do it, too. Like, you're spawning. Like You feel like you're in a medieval battle. Like, sometimes in Call of Duty, right? Like, you spawn in. And you're dead. You gotta run to the other side of the map where all the action is, and you go, okay. And then you get there. And uh, on your way there, you're shot in the back. So now you got to do it again. And then as soon as you get there, you're shot in two seconds and you're dead. Like, you're, you don't die instantly in this game. Like, you're going to you're gonna get to battle, which is cool. You're going to get shot at fighting It's fun. So it's fun. <laughs> it's really a good is. game. Um, all right, so now let's get into a little bit of... I don't want to talk, spend too long on this because like, it doesn't really matter. It's just interesting to me. Mm-hmm. The Biden administration drops a bomb on some children and people, supposedly. Wait. Yes. Can we pause this? Yes. So, the Biden administration tried to retaliate against ISIS for the suicide bombing that we talked about. Was it last week that this had happened, or it happened during this week? I think it happened... Oh, my God. It's hard to even... I think it happened right before. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe not. Maybe not. I don't remember. 13 service members were killed in a suicide bombing in Kabul. Kabul's now... Is that done. how you pronounce it? Yeah. I've been reading it as Kabul. Kabul. Um, they've evacuated. They're all done. Who knows how many U.S. citizens are left behind, but it is what it is. The war in Afghanistan's over, thankfully, so I will give the Biden administration credit for that, but they deserve, the process, they do deserve credit for ending the war. Yes. Like, I want that to be clear. They do. Um, and it's a good thing. It's a good thing. It is a hundred percent a good thing. But in the process, 13 U S service members were killed in a suicide bombing. We have no and, idea how many are left behind and all these <laughs> things, but, and in retaliation, the Biden administration drops a bomb in the middle East and they tell the American people that that bomb kills two high-ranking members of the newly formed ISIS-K. ISIS-K forms because the prisons that all, were all over Afghanistan housing ISIS members were left behind, and, ISIS, and the Taliban were able to just free everyone on their march to Kabul, which is hilarious. Bombs were dropped, and those bombs killed six children, supposedly, up to 12 civilians, and allegedly... Not the actual targets that we were told were killed in that bombing. And I want to come out here and we could all... And I know there's people who do this and will do this. And they'll rage against Biden. And they'll rage against this one atrocity. But you can't lose focus here. You can't lose context and you can't lose perspective. This is something that has happened over the course of the last 20 years over and over and over again to the point where none of us know how many drones killed civ- how many civilians and we'll never know there's never going to be an accounting the only thing we know for sure is that u.s citizens are the excuse for the murder indiscriminately of innocent people all over the world and afghanistan needs to be the reminder of that it needs to be it needs to be it should be obvious to everyone what this situation is we talked about it last week but it's important to hammer home again this is a grift it it enriches certain people and it only harms us and it only kills our troops and the and the people in third world countries who have no ability to resist us. Those children, there's pictures online coming from journalists on the ground in Afghanistan of, you know, six years old girl, 12 year old girl. Stories from families saying that they can't even identify the bodies. And 
everything is propaganda these days, so you don't want to get too sensationalized. But we should just use it as a reminder that the U.S. drone strike policy that has exemplified Middle Eastern warfare for 20 years now has often, A, resulted more in the deaths of innocents than ever a target. Yes. Yeah. And B, comes home as lies and propaganda. It's... It's really tough because it's one of those things that I don't think the average person knows. They don't. But the point is... The average person doesn't know that we kill civilians civilians at will. Like, nonstop for the past... And don't apologize and cover it up. Like, the Obama administration, like... They they, ran out of bombs! They came in after, after the whole Bush stuff and they went okay like what kind of what kind of president are you going to be and they said we're going to be a bloodthirsty administration that's going to go after these these terrorist targets which listen i don't i don't even have an opinion on it cuz i think it's ridiculous like they don't have the ability to do anything like they don't but okay the so, whole thing is based on lies. It's like, all based yeah. on lies. And then we kill children and men and women, innocent people who are just living there. And then, you know what that does? It makes them hate us. Yes. And you know what it does? It radicalizes them and it turns makes more terrorist groups. It's a never-ending cycle. But, Get out of these countries. Stop bombing these countries. But that's only the... Do people know you're not allowed to bomb countries? <laughs> no, seriously. No. Like, do average people... In America, no. That you are not allowed to bomb other countries. People don't understand that the, the president has to get authorization to declare war. And in Afghanistan and Iraq, the wars were voted on. But in the case of Yemen, where we have military presence, and Syria, and a few other places, the vote was no. <laughs> we still bombed those countries. The president still unilaterally went in. So like, we just drop bombs on these people. It's one of those things where, like, I think we all agree on it. It's just that people don't know. Like, yes. they don't know the severity of what... How bad it is. Yeah. Twelve people, in response to our idiocy, in Afghanistan, are dead. And they had nothing to do with anything. No. And it's been happening in our name. That's what justice is in the Middle East. It's a drone that you've never seen. It's like a horror film. Imagine if you lived in a country just, where at any moment a bomb could land on well, your imagine, house. Imagine right now you're in your home. You're just From watching. Some robot above you're watching you. TV and bam, everyone's dead. <laughs> That's crazy. The whole house, dead. <laughs> your dog, dead. Dead. What? Because like a Taliban person lived in the apartment downstairs or, or maybe, had his car parked outside? Okay, and again, this is where. It's insane. Maybe. The target they were after wasn't even in that room because they're not that dumb, and they know that what we use to track them are their cell phones or phone calls, all these things, and it's pretty easy to place things and leave them, and now you're just blowing up innocent people. You blew and up a hospital. Way to go. <laughs> or a funeral. Way to go. Oh, great. Yeah, it's it's absolutely so. It's so. It's horrific. I think it's probably the worst thing we do. As a country, and we do a lot of terrible things. But I just think it was an interesting microcosm because the Obama, the oh my god, I almost said the Obama administration, the Biden administration, comes out and says, "Oh, we look, we struck two ISIS targets," and everyone online was like, "We don't believe you." And then a day goes by, and journalists on the ground come out with reports that it was actually a family or multiple families and children, and it just goes, it just goes to exemplify, even at the end of this long nightmare that is the afghanistan quagmire we still are destroying the lives of innocent people in afghanistan and this is why like i don't want to get too i don't want to take this too into like covid but like this is why i won't trust your your science because (laughs) i you i'm supposed to believe that they care about Human life. Human life. They don't. They, have no, they, they do have not care. They will kill me. They will kill you. They kill children. They do this. Yes. Why do I think they actually care about anyone's life? No. They don't. 
They care about their lives and, and money. their money. And power. And power. So, fuck you. That's, <laughs> that's all it. I have to that's say. It. That's why. That's why fuck you. That's the book I'm writing. <laughs> yeah, we talked about that earlier. That's why fuck you. Wow. Yeah. So that's all I want to say about Afghanistan. Like, I really yeah. don't want to talk too much about it. It's just... It just if you're a Democrat, and if now, you're not, if you're a Republican, if you're not, it shouldn't be about that. It should be about human decency and, and now, Americans. What is being done in our name and stopping it? That's it. I swear. And now we have a chance, though, yes. going forward. We can like, all see it. Like okay, we have a clean slate in Afghanistan. Let them be Afghanistan. We're still all over we're the Middle six East. Other countries. Let's not pretend like we're Middle East. So no, we're still in everywhere else. Yes. So let's work to get out of there. Iraq, Pakistan. Let's, uh, Yemen, Yemen, Syria, Syria Libya, Libya, Somalia. Somalia. Am I missing one? That's that was only six, I think. Six. Oh, Afghanistan is seven. Look at that. Yeah. Um, so one so down. Yeah, let's work <laughs> on getting out of all of those places. And apologize. And Maybe then, we should send them all a but, big fruit basket. But after we get out, let's not do any more war. <laughs> let's try to avoid now, that. Now, that's not going to happen because, you know, military industrial complex and all. I've been... I don't want to get into this either, but I the way I see the geopolitical board, that's part of the reason why off off mic I've been talking to you about moving. Because China, baby. It's not just China, man. Like Russia? There the lines are being drawn very clearly. And we're <laughs> the weaker we get, the more aggressive posturing we're gonna see. We're already weaker. We're, yeah, already, well, we're already weak. That's what I'm saying. Our military so, is... like. Well, you have North Korea and Iran ramping up nuclear proje- production. What? You have the Taliban in Iraq, I mean in Afghanistan now, going to be a government that's going to be clearly aligned with China and that's Russia. That's why, like, if you if you want to get away, you got to go further. What people don't understand about this whole situation, though, is that the geopolitical situation we're in is a Thucydides trap, literally. Like... Russia and China have never had geopolitical control over that region of the world. And that region of the world is so crucial to global economic and trade power. And they if, have liquid gold over there, baby. And if China and Russia consolidate a real alliance that they are growing and closer and closer every single day, with the axis of Afghanistan, Iran, Iraq, Iraq is still... We still have presence in these places surrounding Iran. So, like, we're not... It's we shouldn't, but the problem is when we let it go, that's the end of our empire. Yes. Like people don't understand America as the empire geopolitically. The empire geopolitically is going to crumble. Yeah. And they don't understand what the reper- repercussions of a power vacuum globally is. We're, we talk about power well, vacuums in the Middle East a lot. That's the war. That's the war. That's the. That's why you have to get away from the East Coast. Because yes. <laughs> we're well, and the West Coast. And the West Coast. Like the West Coast is going to get hit too. Both coasts. Move to Alaska. You got mm, no. Because you could defend Alaska. That'd be the best place to defend America and rebuild it. Yeah, but Russia's just right be there. Alaska. I know, but I think I still they're not coming that way. You can't trek it. I think you want to get to like like the Dakotas, <laughs> Nebraska. Nebraska. Oklahoma, it's where you want to be. Yeah. Well, I like I like the Smoky Mountains too. They're not far enough. Doesn't matter. You're They're too hard close to, to the trek coast. And you're got you got to get through a lot of guns to get there. No, but like the nuclear bombs will get there. The nuclear bombs ain't getting to the middle of the country. Well, it depends on where they're dropped. They're dropping. I'll tell you where they're gonna get. D.C., New York. Well, all right. I, I believe. In a lot of things, and I do believe that we'll, I don't believe we'll ever see nuclear war. Even if World War Three breaks out, it'll be it'll be different. But I don't think we'll ever see another nuclear war. Well, we, I mean, if there's a nuclear war, that's it. Like that's like, there's no coming back from it. I just think that there's going to be technologies. Like the there's going to be technologies that we don't see yet that'll be unveiled in that situation. That I don't think actual nuclear missiles. Give me rods from God, baby. Yeah, I don't know if they could even actually land a nuclear missile today. Like, if they could... Well, we have... There is so much technology that is capable of... Anti... Yeah. And more that we don't even know about. Yeah. Now, there's probably more missile technology that we don't even know about. What's but, it called? But these countries spend way more time and energy on defensive... <laughs> missile defense. <laughs> Thanos. Thad? Is it Thad? Yeah, Thad. That's the... 
The nuke warhead. Yeah. It takes out nukes. Mm-hmm. It's pretty cool. Yeah. So, I don't want to talk about this stuff anymore. <laughs> Alright, anyway, uh, I'm going to go read Hearts in Atlantis. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, I don't have anything else. Alright. Alright, well, we'll squirt you later. Bye. Bye. Welcome to After the Squirt Sports, a sports podcast presented by the Brothers Ketchup, hosted by Frankie Biazzi and his brother, Sal Biazzi. Welcome back to another episode of After the Squirt Sports. I'm your host, Frankie Biazzi. Alongside me is my brother. Oh, Sal. There we go. And <laughs> sports, man. Sports That's are what we're coming. here for. We got postseason baseball around the corner. Oh. Division races are tightening. Wild card races are tightening. Football's Pre-season about football's to over. Start. Let's go. College football week zero happened. Did you watch any of it? I uh, watched a tiny, tiny, tiny bit of the Nebraska-Illinois game. I saw um, literally. I feel bad for Nebraska. I saw literally a kickoff. Oh, that was it. Alabama. Did they? I don't even think they played. Then it was someone else. Yeah, I was gonna say maybe Auburn? Alcorn. Was Auburn? It's probably Alcorn State. <laughs> okay. Because like week zero is like all the shit football teams. It's like not real teams. It's just college teams that are yeah. playing. Some some teams play. Um, but I feel bad for Scott Frost. He was he was the co- the head coach at UCF for a while. Then he left and he's been the head coach in Nebraska for the past couple seasons. They fired him. No, but he's gonna get fired. He started out 0 1. Not great. Or, it's. That looks tanks your whole season. Oh, yeah. Like, especially if you're a team like Nebraska. If you want hopes, like, you gotta start off strong. I went to college and was roommates with a kid who was a huge Cornhuskers fan. Really? Yeah. And I didn't know that there was such a thing at the time. Like, I didn't understand that college football was what it was when I got to college. And then I met, like, he was from Missouri. I think it's weird when people um, from our area are into college football at, like, a young age. Like, before they go to college. I also had another friend who was a roommate who was really into Rutgers football. That's even worse. (laughs) It's bizarre, right? (laughs) But I I guess I get it. I don't know. It's just weird. Like, if you're in the Midwest or South, in the South, like, living in Florida for three years, I mean, everyone is so... Like, in with their school. It's so weird. Yeah, dude, if you're in Tuscaloosa, 
I can't even imagine. It's all you do. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. Yeah, like in Florida, it was obviously Florida, Florida State. Um, it was mostly it, but I mean, working at a country club, like you have guys who graduated at every school, be Bama fans, Ohio State fans, Clemson fans, uh, Vanderbilt fans, just every school. It's weird. Um, but I do love each year I've gotten more and more into college football. Um, but this year I'll actually probably take a step back from college football because now I'm not in Florida and I'm not going to watch it because. I like the NFL way better. Um, I like rooting f- when there's prospects that I'm interested in. So, like, I got into Alabama with Tua. Yeah. Um, a few years ago was um, – who's the defensive end that came out that I was really into? That doesn't matter. Oh, like, I remember when it was Devontae Parker. Like, I watched most of his senior year. Like, those like, were- I'll be um, I'll be a Florida State fan this year because I want to watch Mackenzie Milton, who was the UCF quarterback who – Got hurt like three years he's ago at this now. point. He's back. On the yeah, field. He's finally back on the field. Um, so I'm excited to see what he does. But anyway, what we really want to talk about is the NFL, and more specifically, Deshaun Watson. Miami Dolphins, baby. Our team, the Ma- the Miami Dolphins, rumored to be in on Deshaun Watson. The, the only runner. team. They're the only team connected to Deshaun Watson. Not only are they the front runner. Has any other team been mentioned? The Panthers and the Broncos. But they've already been mentioned as, like, they're not in on Deshaun Watson. <laughs> but they were in on Deshaun Watson. But we don't really know that. So, the, the whole thing seems weird. I don't buy it. I don't think the Dolphins are in on Deshaun Watson. Well, on the one hand, I do think that it makes sense that Greer ever made the phone call in the first place. Like, today I saw a lot of people like, oh, I dare the Dolphins to go on record saying they never had conversations with Houston about Deshaun Watson. That's not the issue. I want them to have a conversation about Deshaun Watson. If Deshaun Watson ever were available... You're a bad GM if you're not having the conversations. Yes. But the fact That's not that the point. right now, based on what we know the Texans are asking for, and based on the situation the Dolphins now find themselves in, I don't think they should be pursuing a blockbuster deal to bring him here at this time. Especially with what we've seen in Tua from in two preseason games. He looks good. Let's see what we got. Let's do it. Let's see what we got. Give him a chance. And guess what? If he's not good this year, now you can look to move on. You can go trade for anybody you want. You can go draft anyone you want. You can do anything. You got a lot of capital. Give him the year. Yes. Let him. Daniel Jones is going on year three. He's awful. He looks like crap. He's awful. Man, week one against Cam Newton with Tua Tungvaluwa versus Deshaun Watson is a. It's two different. Realities. I just don't like the idea of like, even if we trade it for Deshaun Watson, that this week, can anyone expect him to start week one? How? No. He doesn't know anything. Which is why I think it makes sense if two is not in the deal and he stays here and it's two his team going into week one and maybe like Deshaun Watson rides the bench until Tua gives him a reason to put Deshaun in. But that creates so much. Why would you do that? Such a weird situation. And then you ruin Tua. Two is done. Like, his career's over. He's another Josh Rosen. Maybe. But it's like, trade the... What do you just trade the best quarterback in the world? Or trade the worst quarterback? I guess so. Stupid. It's dumb. Don't do it, Dolphins. Just save your draft picks. Save those draft picks. Build this team. You have so much more work you can do with the... The offensive and defensive lines. And I really do think that Deshaun Watson is one of the more overrated quarterbacks. Like, I know his stats get touted, and he's thrown for a ton of yards, and he's got a lot of touchdowns, and he doesn't throw a lot of picks. I get it. But when I look at the Texans, the Texans, every year of Deshaun Watson's professional career, have been a better team than the Dolphins. And I don't necessarily know if the results of that team are something that I think show highly of what kind of winner he is in the NFL. He hasn't won a playoff game. The record of that team hasn't been great. You know who Deshaun Watson reminds me of? And I could be totally wrong here, but it's just like when I watch him, I'm never like not blown away by him. He just kind of strikes me as a more athletic, slightly better version of like Derek Carr. I think Deshaun Watson is really good. Like I said, I like I I've, I liked him coming out of college. I wanted the Dolphins to draft him that year. I thought he was fantastic. 
But my issue is strictly has the. Re- I'm sorry, it's just the charger for the computer. You can actually leave it out. It's have good. the results proven to be that good for him? If the, if they're not winning games, if he's not winning playoff games with a better roster in tennis in Texas, what's what's to say he's going to come to Miami and do it? Meanwhile, Tua. I mean, Tua's got a chance. Let's see what he's got. I I think it's interesting, and I I really, if I had to bet, would say it's coming from Deshaun Watson's camp, and it's not coming really from Miami's camp, or even Texas, Houston's camp. Because Houston's painting themselves in a corner where like everyone knows that no one really wants Deshaun Watson. Um, all right. Let's look at. He's only 25 going yes, into his yeah. year 26 season. Uh, has he been healthy for the most part? He played 16 games, 15 games, 16 games, so he's been healthy. 2017, he only played 7. I'm assuming he didn't start the season. Um, when I, as I look at his stats... He's good. They're okay. They're good. Like they're they're good numbers. He's got each year he's thrown well, twenty six touchdowns, twenty six touchdowns, thirty three touchdowns. Last year he had career highs in and pretty much everything. And he's young. And he had a career low in interceptions. So he, he's coming off a great year. But okay, and devil's advocate on but, that. Well, I would say the team was bad last year. They were always playing from behind. I watched a lot of those games. And he was throwing, he was throwing a, ton. a ton of deep. But, chunk yards. But, but he's I a good will, quarterback. But I will say, last year was probably his least talented roster. Yes. He didn't have DeAndre Hopkins anymore. Absolutely. So, I get it. But, but it's I not like still he look at you know, on his back and they went to the Super Bowl. Well, no, but that was never going to happen. But I don't... They were a bad team. Like, he threw for 4,823 yards, which led the... NFL West. But I will also say that in a lot of those games, he led miraculous drives to put them ahead, and they still end up losing the game. But you know what the thing about <laughs> Deshaun Watson is, is that I think... Like, we don't know what Tua is, regardless. Tua is so young. He, we've seen him for half a season. He's got a winning record as a quarterback in the NFL. With Even no offseason, off, off the major hip injury. Like, let's see what he is. But, like... What does Deshaun Watson do that's special? He's got a power arm. Yeah. Like, Tua doesn't have that. Tua never will have that. Tua's probably a more accurate quarterback. But Deshaun, what Deshaun Watson has that Tua doesn't have, and I will say it, is that Deshaun Watson is more Mahomes-like in his ability to drive the ball down the field, I throw think, from different angles, be I athletic. I think we've already seen that, though, in, from Tua in, the, in his second preseason game in that in that uh, play where he gets the touchdown to Gaskin, where he, like, maneuvers the pocket, slides up in his feet, and hits Gaskin on, like, a little running throw off his side throw. It's like, Tua can do it. Tua, want, Tua yeah. gets talked about like he's not athletic. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Like, go back, watch the national championship game where Tua gets in, watch the last play of the game, dude. That's the most athletic play I've ever seen a quarterback make. Tua can do it all. Except he doesn't have the power arm, so. But he's but he's unreal in some. Now in some the other thing Deshaun does is kind of he's ways. got this intangible factor like you can't really sack him for some reason. Like he doesn't go, he doesn't down. go down. He's easy. big. Mu- he's a big dude. Yeah. Like he doesn't go down. He's not a big guy. He can, but what does Tua do well? Tua, since he's been in college and what he's showing in this preseason is. He has a better instinct with his feet in the pocket than, like, any other quarterback. Like, he's naturally eyes. so good at manipulating pockets with his feet and his eyes. Well, his, his ability to, to draw defenders and open receivers with his eyes, his ability to, so, like, to make decisions I want to see, see how that plays out in his a season. His accuracy is unlike any quarterback I've ever we seen. We get to, like, he's the best... RPO quarterback there is. Like, let's see it. Like, let me see that in action for a year before I just give up on him to 
to go with a quarterback who's is is better. Like, like I'm, always I'm never on... gonna say that, like Deshaun Watson's not the better quarterback right now. It just feels like the 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 typical mistake mediocre and bad franchises make. Yes, where the grass is always greener. So like you in your pursuit of like. Getting good and winning your Super Bowl. I also you think sacrifice your young, better star. I say that and and realize it was a mistake five years later. I say that about a lot of things, right? Like, is it a bad move? Like, um, we when we had the uh, you were playing a Madden franchise and like you traded your quarterback after you won the Super Bowl, and I was like, that's a bad franchise move. Yeah. Like as a franchise, you can't do that. You can't trade the quarterback after you won the Super Bowl. It's like what the Eagles did in real life. Like, Nick Foles was the, guy. was the guy, and you were like, no, we got Carson Wentz. That you was the wrong both, move. You ruined both the Eagles and Nick Foles. Correct. You ruined both. You can't do that. Um, so, I think you got to just... Listen, you, you've had this plan of rebuilding and getting good, and it's been working. Stick with that plan. Don't try to jettison it just because Deshaun Watson's all of a sudden available. Yeah. Love the one you got. Just because there's a young, attractive woman flirting with you doesn't mean you throw away what you worked so hard to to achieve. And the Jets aren't going to be good. And I <laughs> love that Zach. So w- I love that Zach Wilson's been okay. He looks because, good. Because man, the Jets fans are getting very excited. They're going to be bad. And though. he's not going to be good. They just traded for Shaq Lawson. They're taking the Dolphins scraps. I think they have only a third round pick for Shaq Lawson. I love Shaq Lawson last he's year. Good. I was a little upset when we traded him, but we know we didn't trade him. We didn't resign him. I thought we traded him. I'm not sure. Because he, he was on the Texans. Yes. I think the Texans are just signing Shaq. Well, they might have. The Texans are weird. The Texans are the worst franchise in all sports. Well, I don't know. The Orioles have lost. And the Mets. <laughs> the Mets. Gosh, the Mets are broiled in controversy. Should we talk about the Mets? They're so bad. Real quick. I want to say, I every year you and I get into the same argument because I'll you'll inevitably call me. And you'll ask what I'm doing, and I will say, I'm watching the Mets. And you'll be like, why do you watch the Mets? And I always say, I love the Mets. I love watching the Mets. I really love the Mets. But I'm not a Mets fan. I'm going to read a tweet that was sent to me about the Mets from a Yankees fan. Okay. He said, because it was in reply to my tweet, which was, God, I love the Mets. (laughs) And he said, they're truly so beautiful. Every year, I think they can't outdo themselves, and then they do something way more outrageous than the first thing. And yes, like that is the Mets. This is what they do. They have their star player, a guy they paid three hundred million plus dollars, who hates that team. He's not happy. And hates the fan base. He just started. And then they traded for a good friend of his, Javier Baez, and said. Come on in. We're making a push for the playoffs. We're in first place in the division. And then since Javi Baez got there, they can't win a baseball game. And so, naturally, they team up and say, fuck the fans. Let's boo the fans when we get on base as, like, our thing. Who thought that was a good idea? Did you see Trevor May's comment? No. Trevor May came out and said that we're not booing the fans. That's ridiculous. Javi Baez went and said, I'm booing the so fans. So I was listening to Carton and Roberts, and I got to give Evan Roberts credit because he is just a beautiful human being. Like, he great. understands New York and sports and the Mets and culture. Like, he what was he a, saying? He has such a touch. I, sh- I, can't, I didn't even it. think I, sh- I should have listened and to him. And he it said, look, it's not the Mets that are booing the fans. It's four guys who just got here. They haven't experienced success in New York, so of course they're not going to be able to handle the fans of New York. But Pete Alonso and and Conforto, they're struggling. They haven't booed the fans because they've been here and they felt what it feels like to have all of New York cheering for you. So they can handle the boos because they understand what comes with it. And he's so right. Like he's just well, so right. What I said, I said this on Twitter. I said... These are mercenaries. You're... Like, for Javi Baez in particular, like, you're coming from the the Cubs. The Cubs are a loser franchise. They they didn't win a World Series for a hundred years. Yes. <clears throat> you were part of the team that won a World Series you're in beloved. Chicago. You're you, are a be, you are a beloved you're figure. You're nothing here. You will never get booed. Welcome to New York, dude. 
You haven't won a game since you've been here. I'm going to boo the shit out of you because all you do is strike out and swing for the fences. I mean, think about how, for all the crap... Don't go Stanton. He's been amazing. He's been amazing, and he takes his boos when he gets booed. He doesn't say, like, this sucks, I hate the fans. It's like, it's ridiculous. And that's... Quinn, no boy. And Evan Roberts is exactly right. Like, they haven't experienced it. So... And at this rate, they're not gonna. Yeah. And then Sandy Alderson makes the the puts Come out the statement, the and I, I the statement's not great, but also I think it's a good statement. You have to like the, I will always defend fans because fans, for the most part, we go to the stadiums and yes. buy tickets. Yeah. We buy your jerseys. We buy your memorabilia. If we don't watch. If we don't, don't watch. You don't have a job. You don't get paid. The only, you're, the only you are making $300 million because yeah. we love this team. We come to see you. We wanted a star in New York. And we we begged our front office, get Sign Lindor here. And you suck. And you suck. <laughs> and we're going to boo you. Yes. But we expect you're going to be good. And when you're good, we're going to love we're you. Cheer. Yeah, we're going to be happy. If you can't take that and instead you're just going to boo us back, that's within your right. But guess what? Now we're going to... Now, now we we're gonna, don't like you. Yeah, now we don't like you. And now it's never going to get better for you. And for all the all the crap that A-Rod gets, like A-Rod got booed his whole career. He was always gracious. And that's what you have to be. You just have to be gracious and you have to take it. It's crazy. Um, Aaron Judge got booed yesterday in Oakland. <laughs> he's Aaron Judge. He got booed. He's like he's a beloved baseball player and he got booed in Oakland. It was weird. Um, It's wild. It's wild that... The Mets just always find themselves in these situations where everyone in the league is talking about how embarrassing they are. It's crazy. I would hate to be a Mets fan. I love it. I I'd get so annoyed. They are, but they choose. I, we've, I've, how many times have I gone in this rant with you? When you live in this area, you have a choice. You can either choose. You have the. It's a very rare sports circumstance where you have a literal choice where you get to choose to be the winners or the losers. And if you're choosing to be losers, like, I don't know. I don't know what you expect. They are, there's something in the Mets' DNA that's just like, you're a loser. <laughs> you're a loser. <laughs> Even if you win a World Series, you're still, be a loser. You're still a loser. <laughs> just you're a not like loser. the Yankees. Sorry. We're winners but over here. Do you think that's what it is? Like, you're in the shadow of the Yankees. Could be. Like, it's not like... There's weird things. What are other baseball? cities that have, like, two teams, right? Like, the Cubs and the White Sox. There's not this giant gap between the Cubs and the White Sox. They, they both have a World Series in this past two decades. Like yeah. The Cubs had a giant uh, uh, curse, and then the White Sox had a history of not a lot of stuff. So, like, I don't know. And then, but in New York, like, it's the Yankees, the most iconic sports franchise Probably ever. Probably the world. Ever. Maybe like Real Madrid. They have 28 world championships. Then there's the Mets. And you can't ever really live up to that hype. And that's why when the Mets say like, I hate when they're good. Because when they're good, they think like, this is our, we're a Mets city. New York is a Mets city. It's like, no, it's not. No, it's not. Just stop. It never will be. It never will be. (laughs) It it never is going to be. It never was. Stop. In your deluded mind when you believe it was, it wasn't. Even the Mets, the best Mets teams, they weren't the the kings of the cities. So, um, that's pretty much it. Um, the Yankees had a nice winning streak going. They Got lost snapped. it. Now we're down in two in a row. But not. Whatever. The Yankees are in a weird position now, where I'm like, pretty comfortable in the wild card. But like, I gotta. You gotta win. Gotta win. You just gotta. And, like, far enough back in the division where I'm not, like, thinking about the division anymore. So, whatever. That could change win. in a week. It could. Uh, just go out there and win tonight. And that's pretty much it for after square sports, unless you got something. Um, you played baseball, you hit a double. I had a ringing a, oppo double, baby. Won in the playoffs. Yep, won Moving our on. first playoff game. Next week, we got to start our series, our Three games set against the Swing Clones. That's a pretty lame name. Yeah, the teams that went and made their own... like So the way this league works, I guess, is like... You can start a team if you have enough guys you like can join the league. And you can just choose any name you want. It's so like, my team is the Cardinals. Because that's a real baseball team. 
You could buy a Cardinals jersey, a nice Cardinals hat. You look good. Other teams were like, we're the swing clones, or we're the knights. It's like, you should have just been the Cardinals. <laughs> like, there's a team called the Giants, and they wear Giants uniforms. It's cool. Because then when we play each other, it's like... Giants versus Cardinals. Yeah. but The swing clones, they don't have a uniform. They made their own. It's, it's nice. Like, the swing clones? <laughs> It's a terrible name. Now, is that supposed to be like Cyclone, or is it doing so. like reproducing humans? Ooh. No, I think it's... I would assume it's about like Cyclones. It's not about baseball-made clones. No. This one mosquito is killing me right now. I know. It keeps biting me. <laughs> I don't get destroyed by it. Like three bites in my <laughs> one. Just from one mosquito. <laughs> just, I just watch He's like, look at these two little meat buckets just sitting here. <laughs> All right. Yeah, that's after the sports. Thanks See you for next uh, week. tuning in. Bye. Bye.